Welcome to Rick Radio's Community News Desk podcast number eight. I'm Jennifer Gannon. Later in the programme, we'll hear from Anya Nikweev talking about issues with wills and probate and also from Paul and Tobias who are from our award-winning gardens here in the community centre and they'll be chatting all things gardening. But first, I spoke with Owen Megan, the editor of local newspaper News 4, about their forthcoming issue due out this week. Um, well, thanks for having me on, Jennifer, first of all. And uh, we have a bumper-packed issue uh, as usual, but I've got to mention First of all, the Sean Moore Awards, we're covering that, uh, which happened last, about two weeks ago now. Uh, these are um, annual awards for people who've done outstanding things in the community. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, we didn't ha- have it for the last two years, so we're really glad to have it back again. And it was on on the 22nd of March in Clannagale, um, presented by um, Roisin Ingle uh, from the Irish Times and, of course, Con- Councillor Dermot Lacey. Uh, and the awards themselves were presented by the Lord Mayor, Alison Gilliand. So we had a great night. Um, and um, well done to everyone who participated in that. And we have all the pictures and the news and the gossip about that in the paper. Great. Now, um, other thing, we have lots of other things as well going on. Uh, we're actually glad to welcome back a lot of the old favourites, like um, which weren't, which had to be put online uh, for the last couple of years, like the Women's Mini Marathon coming up in June. Uh, also, Darkness into Light, that's mm. coming up in May. So we're going to be covering all that. Um, and it's good to have that actually back in, in, in the flesh as yeah. Yeah, you know? and like that's the thing. If you're finding now that because things are opening back up, obviously, mm. then you're you know you're getting more stories in, and you're you're able to actually kind of you know get back out there. Oh, so absolutely, Jennifer, Jennifer. It was a nightmare. Actually, some of the during COVID, a few of the issues we had to of news for had to go, had to be online mm. and because of, of the restrictions on movement and um, it would be unfair to ask journalists to go out and, and, and uh, even dangerous you know so we had to you know rely on a lot of stuff you know kind of secondhand news so it mm. was kind of um, it wasn't the way I would have liked to like yeah. so it's actually great to be up and running again um, and can I just say we have a, um, a, a fantastic um group of uh, journalists and uh, and workers and and, and, and writers uh, for the paper. I want to pay tribute to all of them uh, because they all have contributed so much uh, in, in each issue and include, including this one. Um, I wanted, to, I have another project I'm going to uh, talk about. It's called a Dance Spire. Okay. Uh, it's a dancing, but uh, uh, classes, but with a difference. Uh, they cover dancing, uh, get fit and lots of other things. You can read all about it. It's run by two local ladies, uh, Shauna Tilly and Danielle Doolan, who are really experts in dancing and, and, and movement and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's on in the CYMS and it's, runs, it's on every Monday. And it's, it's not only for adults, but it's for kids as well. So it's, it, Great. it's very exciting. Now, another thing we're welcoming back this summer, I'm sure you'll be covering it too here, are the... The music festivals, yeah, uh, you like Electric Picnic and Strad yeah. Valley, of course. But closer to that is a, a, a festival called Longitude, yeah, and um, it's here in Marley, Marley Park, Park in, in Dublin. Yeah. And there's a huge lineup of fantastic acts in, in that, and that's we have a big feature on that covering that in this issue. Um, 
and also a feature a, a thing called a um, music current which is in the project arts center and that's starting uh that's running from the 19th to the 23rd of april and that's that's a, a, a big uh, music festival and a kind of um Kind of workshops and things workshops, going on yeah, they well. do a lot of that in the project arts they do as well. A lot of that yeah, in the yeah. So that sounds very exciting as well. Um, and we also cover uh, oh, and there's something I, 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 I'm quite excited about, uh, which is coming to the RDS on the 21st and 22nd of May, and it's called the Wizard Con. Okay. Or the Wizard Convention, <laughs> uh, and it's all about Potter, the Potter universe. Right. So if you're into Potter, uh, which I am, uh, you will love this. Uh, it's basically Hogwarts. Turn, uh, the RDS is going to be turning to Hogwarts for two days, so it's going to be really exciting. Just totally cool. I remember. I think they had one of those a couple they, of years they ago. Had. Yeah, because they had. Mm. I remember going around, mm. um, coming around near the RDS and seeing a lot of people dressed up. Yes. So people get yep. very into it. Oh, very people get involved. really, really into it. Yeah. Really into it. They had it. They had again. They had to cancel because of of, of COVID. It was meant to be a annual thing and hopefully it will again and it sounds really really exciting you won't probably want to book for that early but all the details are in the paper great you can learn all of the things like uh, how to make cauldron cakes and they do they do, uh, they do uh, magic workshops and everything in there as well so you can learn to, to you know show you how to do wizarding spells and whatever um I don't know if you can make your parents disappear or not, but you can always try. You can try. <laughs> okay. And there are things like um, uh, pepper imps, uh, hippogriffs and glum bubbles. <laughs> and Jennifer, I haven't a clue. I was just going to say, I'm are. sure there's people out there going, what the hell is this? So, so then people that are in the know. People are in the know exactly say, oh, I'm is. definitely, yes. I want to be a glum bubble. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's, that's something to really look forward to. Uh, we also, oh yeah, with the National Gallery are uh, have, have just announced the digitizing all their uh, artwork okay. uh, for go, going way back, and that's going to be that's a really exciting thing. It's all going to be put online, and it's going to be free to, to for people to watch and to look at. And you have all the people like uh, Roderick O'Connor, uh, uh, Jack B. Jack Yates, Yates. Um, William Orphan, and all those people will and will be uh, available to to view online. And that's actually happening at the at the moment, and we're covering that story as well. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, of course, we're covering the launch of, uh, which happened back in Valentine's Day, of uh, Rick Radio. Of Rick Radio, of course. Absolutely. Excuse me. Would, yes. not be, <laughs> would not be uh, um, uh, complete without that. <laughs> uh, oh, and also, uh, we have started a new feature in um, uh, of this year. Uh, called Peeling Back the Pages. Okay. Yeah, which basically is every year we take a look, every issue, sorry, we take a look back at a year uh, previous from, from News 4 started, when it started back in, in, in 1986, I think it was. Um, and we look at some of the, the, the best pictures and some of the best stories and, 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 and just, you know, re-run them, you know. That's great bit. because I think it's so important. Like we're talking about this a lot mm. um, here ourselves, just about local history. And yeah. Yeah. maybe the stories that people might have forgotten about or That's right. that people yes. were involved in. And they it's were. nice to, yeah. to see those memories it's again and get people involved like that. We were just we were just talking in, before Christmas in, in the office, uh, having a coffee and just, you know, uh, brainstorming as we do. And um, sometimes we come up with, excuse me, sometimes we come up with crazy ideas that 
we don't uh, go on. But yeah. this, somebody mentioned this, and um, we said, we'll give this a try anyway for, for one mm. issue, peeling back the page. And honestly, Jennifer, it was an instant hit. People, all the locals love it. Yeah. They actually love it. And been, the feedback has been fantastic too. I they? think it's something like mm. that that is really inspiring for people um, mm. just to show like, mm. you know, that what the area was like because it has changed so much. Oh, it has changed so much. Yeah. It has changed so much. But it, 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 it's, it's wonderful to see things. Think, see things like the Spellman Centre starting yeah. up and how wonderful that's mm. been and, you know, attributed to Teresa Weaver and people who, yeah. who, who who developed that, you know. And uh, even the evolution of the centre here itself. The evolution like, of the centre, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing and then we, we've covered that as well and, um, you know, I just to see the haircuts and everything. Oh, exactly. And the style. Yeah. And all, you know, that's it. It's so funny. It's about like that, you know, community, that sense of community and also there's people there that, you know, maybe have passed away or there's people there that are, you know, family members that have emigrated and it's nice just to have some kind of recognition that they were part of this community and how involved that they were, which is great. I mean, local people doing local things and it's lovely to recognise them and not forget them. And it is a local paper, you know, we need to have that. We need to keep that sense of continuity and, com- and Latinity and community as well, you know. And we had we had a little snippet on the blades, for example, in the last issue. Uh, and we have loads of people. I, I can't remember who, but we loads them in, in this time as well. You know the blades. Yeah, course, it rings out finest. Band. Fantastic, yeah. And um, also Roshan Ingler herself, like she used to write for News Four. That's a right. Lot. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, this Roche. is the thing that people oh, might Roche, not realize. Yeah. Well, like, people might not realize as well that her mother Anne and Ingle actually set up. She was the person who started News Four. Wow, and well, she's. She's written a book. She's recently. written a book, yeah, yeah. called Open Hearted, which is yeah. a fantastic book. We, we reviewed that in the in the well, a few months ago when it came out first. Uh, so I, I, if you don't mind, I can give it a little plug again. Like, oh yeah, Anne Ingle, Open Hearted. If you're buying a bit, buy it's on Books in the Green. Please buy it. It's a fantastic read. It's really it's uh, heartbreaking, heartrending, mm. everything, and it's just so emotional, so well written. It's just it's written gorgeous. from the heart. It yeah. is, and, yeah. and my mum is actually reading it, and she's really mm. enjoying it. Mm. And I think you know, it's also something that to say like it's never too late to actually no. put your words down on paper like no, I mean I think it's never that's such too an achievement it's, it's for absolutely her never, such, and she had such a, she had a, such an amazing life herself uh, came through so many hard hard times and mm. all that but with such stoicism and such um, compassion and such uh, she has humour as well definitely yeah. I, I didn't actually realise that she founded she did, yeah, she did yeah. amazing she was, the, she was the founder of that um, so that's and this year we're this issue we're doing now we're featuring 1987 and in peeling back the pages oh, so great. well can look forward to that a good year for perms <laughs> a good year for perms oh yeah look out for the perms now as well as that uh, uh, yes you know in news four uh, is a bi-monthly uh, it's about where this issue will cover uh, by the way it's going to be out uh, this friday um the 8th mm. of april uh, in the in, in the shops uh, and it covers two months a- april and may so by the end of May as you know going into June hopefully summer uh, but also it's that time of the year where the leaving cert is, mm, is starting of course and um, I know that's people don't want maybe don't, don't want, want to think, think about, about that yeah. yeah but as, as it's coming up to it uh, we have to cover that as well so we've done a bit of a feature on the, the leaves and, and education in general mm. in this issue and really just, how kind of probably just for themselves the mm. students like adapting to the fact that they actually had to go back and do exams yeah. this year which we probably weren't really Pro- thinking probably weren't thinking about like, it at all yeah. and I don't know so long I did my leaving I don't know how uh, young people feel but I actually think they're 
absolutely amazing. amazing. So adaptable. So like, amazing. So yeah. Because what they had through was something awful in the last couple of years yeah. and it wasn't very well handled by the government, I have mm. to say. It just wasn't. Uh, I know nobody predicted, nobody could um, forecast or do anything about the pandemic, but it wasn't well handled. But anyway, we're covering a, a, a few features in that. We're dealing with the changes in to the Leaving Cert and how it's structured as, as announced by Minister Foley a few months ago. And uh, also we're doing a feature on same-sex education, whether it's people think it's a good thing or whether co-ed is better, is better or whichever. Yeah, you know. on International Women's Day, we actually did an interview with Ivana Bacic just oh, about yeah, this topic, yeah, like yeah, because yeah. it is kind of something, mm. it's a talking point. Like, it's a talking point, yeah. yeah. And there are pros and cons for both. Oh, there definitely There definitely is. are. I mean, yeah. some great, yeah, great suits have been, uh, been same-sex, but also, you know, I think I think it's good probably. It's for 2022. 2022. I, I, don't want, I don't want to we give my opinion because schools, I, I, did, I didn't write the article, but that, that, that's, that, that's a good thing. And to complement all that, uh, our short story, we like to have a bit of fiction, literature mm. and poetry in News 4 as well, uh, because it, people like that. And this we find in this er, this whole D4 area. Um, to complement that, we have a short story called About the Leaving, uh, and uh, it's written by Ruth O'Leary, very good writer. Great. So um, That's a packed issue. That's a packed issue. And then that's, I didn't even get to mention our, our sports and all the other, the, the usual features, you know, mm. Uh, all the usual features but it, it, it looks like to, yeah it is an absolutely packed issue and again it's a tribute to all the, the great writers we have in News 4 and if you do have a story if anybody you know is listening and has a story can they contact yourself? please do yeah. contact myself editor news 4 um, at gmail.com is my uh, my address please do if you great. have a story don't hesitate send it in we can't guarantee you we're going to publish it but <laughs> please do send it in or if you write poetry or short stories we're always looking for that as well do send that in, in as well brilliant yeah that's great thanks so much for coming in okay no, thank you very much Jennifer for having me and, and uh, thank you very much okay you're listening to Rick Radio's Community News Desk podcast I'm here with Anya Nikweev and you're very welcome uh, to Rick Radio and we're here just talking about wills and probate and just a general discussion about why when and how why do people need to get their wills sorted would you say well good morning Jennifer um, the minute I say wills and probate to people they kind of back away mm. people don't like thinking about the future they don't like thinking of making a will they think oh that means I'm going to die they don't want yeah. to think about that <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is statistic there are legal people of which I'm one and three out of every four haven't made a will and generally speaking some of them might have property abroad which I don't have <laughs> or assets of that nature which makes life complicated and this morning, I hope to make it simple. And I, my message is very strong. Everybody should make a will. And you said, why? Mm. Well, you wouldn't go to the supermarket maybe without thinking about a list or something of that nature. In our working lives, we don't think, well, I'll wake in the morning at half eight and I'll stroll into work. You don't. You probably set the alarm. So we're used to making decisions about things that are important to us. Mm. And if things that are important to us should be in a will, then you make a will. So you have to start thinking about the, these things now. As you said, I think a lot of people are put off because they find it a bit distressing maybe or depressing, but you're saying just get your affairs in order, basically. That's the main thing. Yes. Now, uh, charities contact people on a regular basis and they give you details of how to make a will and they're hoping that you will include them in mm. your will. 
But that's not that doesn't happen to most people. So say, for example, if you're a single person, you probably have nephews and nieces, I mean, brothers and sisters, if you like. But if you're a married person, then it's slightly more complicated because you have a husband or a partner. And remember now that the uh, partnership agreement means uh, for people who are living together as partners and some of those have children. And that puts them in exactly the same way as a married couple who have children. And therefore, it's very important that they too should think in terms of making a will, making provision for your children. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, within that whole area, there is an act like the Road Traffic Act. So when I talk about an act, Broadcasting Act, you know, there is the Succession Act. And the Succession Act lays down provisions um, to say who gets what. But also, if you don't make a will, then you don't, well, you're dead, so you don't care. <laughs> but, but it's messy for the people left behind. That's oh, it's, the problem. It's, it's very messy because you haven't said, by the way, I'd like to leave Jennifer 20,000. Mm, thank you, please. Anybody out there yeah. want to do that? <laughs> and uh, that's what you had in your head. Now, there's one situation which identifies how important it is. There was a large family of eight, some of them in America, some of them in England. But there were two or three sisters in Ireland and one of them had the family home that had been their parents. And it was hers, you know, it mm. was hers. So two sisters uh, used to go down Christmas, Easter, the summer, bank holiday weekends and everything. So they put something into the house. They might help with the garden. They might help with the cooking. They got on very, very well together. And it was always known that she wanted to leave it to the two of them. She was in her 40s when she had a massive heart attack mm. and died. They came to see me. And they said, we were a very united family. They know that she was going to leave it to the two of us. Mm. So I said, but no will, no will at all. No note signed Nothing. by her saying that that's my intention. No. So uh, that the girl in America, she's married. She's not going to come back. Um, the two or three in England, they're not going to come back. And then one of our brothers died and he has two teenagers mm. in the north of Ireland and they are not interested in the house and they never visited it. So the only people after their parents died who visited the house were the two sisters and the... So I said, what are you going to do about it? Well, we've written to them. OK, I said, would you come back to me if you have any news? I thought in my own mind, you know, where there's a will, there's relatives. Mm. They came back to me three weeks later. They all turned up, including the teenagers from the north of Ireland. See, and they all had one thing in their mind. How much are we going to get? Yeah. The long and short of that, and it was sad, the house had to be sold because there was no agreement between them. And, and there was it, no paperwork to say. No, there was nothing. In fact, if she right had, had the a, house. a piece of paper. Yeah. And she said, I leave this house to my two sisters, Mary and Joan, and signed it. And she said to them, look, would you sign it as well? So we're all together in this. Nobody would have been able to overturn that. It would have been a bit unusual. Mm. But the courts are not in the business of uh, cancelling wishes of people. I want this to go to my two sisters. Very yeah. strong language. And do you think it's a case of with a lot of people, they're intimidated by thinking about maybe visiting a solicitor. They don't want to, you know, get involved in that way. They think maybe it, they won't. It's not simplified for them. It could be complicated. And that's why they don't want to think about making a will. How easy is it just to go to a solicitor and start organising this? Well, I mean, 
Like, in terms of law, you know yourself, if you never had anything to do with law in your entire life, you'd be profoundly happy. You know. Exactly, yeah. We'd all be delighted. Penalty points for the car. Yeah. You could end up in court. That would be something that would keep you awake at night. Yeah. You don't want to. So the same way is like, I've never been to a solicitor. I don't have a solicitor. Um, I don't want to do that. Mm. But, I mean, sometimes you'd see publicity around Will Week, and that means that solicitors have decided to come out and say, would you like to make your will? And you can make two for the price of one, kind of, and that kind of thing. So they introduce the concept of making a will. And, like, every good um, family drama television programme that includes a debt <laughs> and a will is always people will watch that because they love that kind of thing. Yeah, this has gone back to even the Russians. This has gone back to War and Peace and everything. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So they love that kind of thing. And they love the idea that uh, in a court, the judge is about to rule against them. And somebody comes charging into the court, you know, waving mm. the will that's yeah. been found. Now, it's not as dramatic as that because there are certain little simple rules in making a will, but they are simple. They're not complicated. And what are these rules that you would follow then? Well, um, the... First thing is that the will should be in writing. Mm. Now, why do I say the will should be in writing? What do I propose that it should be in? Not a DVD or a CD. Okay. We haven't got that far as Hollywood yet. Okay. But we will get there, presumably. Yeah. Yeah, we will get there. So the will should be in writing. And that means uh, like a biro or a pen, not a pencil. Mm. Now, why would you think a pencil would be a bad idea? It just fades. It fades over time. It can. And, yeah. it and it can rub it out. Yeah. Rub out the zero behind yeah. two zeros behind what's going to their <laughs> Add sister. an extra zero. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, it, it should be clear. And the word that we use is unambiguous. And people are afraid of that word too at times. And ambiguous. Something that is ambiguous is that it can be either one or the other. Mm. A will shouldn't be either one or the other. It must be clear. Mm. and unambiguous. And there are provisions within the Succession Act, the act that governs the making of wills, that tell people uh, who has a right to something and therefore people follow that. Now, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the institutions give you can give you a thing called personal assets record. It's a simple little thing, but it's an A4 sheet. And where would you get that? You get that you don't have a... to do it at all. You can do it yourself. It's okay. an A4 sheet. And in that A4 sheet, you put down the things that are important. Where are your bank accounts? Where's your property located? And uh, then insurances, if there are house insurances or car insurances or that type of thing. And uh, all the information that would be in uh, uh, required by somebody who was making a will or looking after you. I am uh, employed at the moment and my that's a personal assets. People have this kind of a thing. It's like I remember one time somebody saying to me, if you went into hospital or you knew mm. you were going into hospital, you probably should have a little suitcase upstairs filled with the things that you'd need. The first time I didn't do it and I was ringing people to say, would you bring me in this? Would you bring me in that? Second time I had the little case prepared. Now, this is something that you have prepared. So somebody knows who's trying to get together your uh, uh, your assets, your what you own and that kind of thing. And it's called a personal assets record. You can make it yourself. Okay, so that um, so that's clear. It's clear and it's in writing. Now, what is important is that you follow the, the other rules that are included in the Succession Act, and that is, who's going to divide the property for you? Mm. In other words, who's my executor? Right. My executor. Yeah. And my executor will have another executor, two, two of them. And who are they? Some people use solicitors. I think it's a bad idea. 
I think if you're married and you have a family, an adult family, you should ask them. Mm. If you have five, you should ask, say, look, would any two of you like to carry out the provisions of my will? Mm. Some people don't. They don't want to do that kind yeah. of thing. But you get two executors. And I, ideally, it's family because family members know where things are. Mm. And they, if you pick two that are sensitive, hopefully in five, you'll have two sensitive <laughs> ones in the middle of them. And they're the ones that carry out your wishes from the will. And you are called the testator. That's just the name, the donor, mm. the testator. That's just that. And the executor. So when you're making your will and it's in writing, uh, you sign it yourself, you date it and you get two witnesses who will put their names and dates to it as well. And that's basically it. If there are special needs, you have trustees and things like that that you appoint as well. So in other words, you name your executors. You don't have to know your witnesses. You get them to uh, they don't they have no right to read your will. Okay. Okay. But they sign it and date it that they have been there together and that I have been there with them. So they know it's my will and they're both uh, together in the room witnessing it. So it's something that, you know, people can organise within themselves. That's what you're trying to say. And to to do that as soon as possible is is the message that you're trying to get out there. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you don't know the day or the hour. Yeah. (laughs) And it's I know it sounds morbid to think about it, but it's more just about organisation. Oh, it is. Like, I mean... I'm an organised person, I suppose, and I'm very much in favour of lists. I wouldn't go to the shops without a list because I get distracted. Yeah. I come home and the thing that I wanted to get, I don't have with me. Yeah. You know? But if I made a list, there's a possibility that I'd buy it. You know? yeah. So that therefore, if you're a person who would like to think, well, I want to look after this person and that person and the other person, my family members, I want it equal so there's no rowing about it. And if I have a house, who is it going to? If yeah. I have a car, who is it going to? And thinking about it and maybe discussing it with your family who will probably say, we don't want to talk about it at all. Thank you. Yeah, but that's the thing. So you're just saying for anybody listening out there, it's just about documentation. It's about beginning the process, getting the ball rolling and having it there um, just so, you know, you can keep it there just in case. That's basically what you're saying. No, there's no fear around it and, and you don't need to be worried that you're hexing yourself. I think yeah. people feel like that but just to start the process and it's very simple it can be as simple as you like it is and as I said family members can do it on the other hand if there's no will that's a difficult situation it's not the same thing at all it's quite a difficult situation yeah and then you're also talking about probate as well which is something that's very different and something that can be a long very drawn out process sometimes no not necessarily Uh, probate means that a will if it's going to go to probate means that the items in the will are proved by people who are lawyers and who are within the four courts building in Ireland and in every county in Ireland in every county in Ireland among the uh, county office you'll find a probate office who will deal with it they're very sympathetic they know that for example most people have never been in a legal situation before and they're proving the will and they're putting their stamp on it to say this is okay yeah and therefore you can start distributing the what the person has at that stage banks building uh, societies and that kind of thing will give one of the executors or both executors enough money to pay for the funeral Mm. costs and ESB and all of that kind of thing to keep mm. the show on the road if the house is to be sold. But it, it's it's a straightforward process. And, uh, you know, to go to a solicitor to make two wills, well, about 120 euro, it's not an expensive okay. process. And then yeah. they back out of it. And if the solicitor suggests that they should be the executor, no thanks. 
My eldest son is going to be the executor. <laughs> and just to make sure that's the thing. So you say it's not as expensive as you think it, it will be. And just to make sure and have that process, you know, started is, is basically what you're trying to say. Yes. And the other thing which is important is if you lose a partner, if you lose some children, if you move house, if things have changed, if you go abroad. If your circumstances have changed in any way. Make a new way. Yeah. Make a new will. And you would say that this is the final will, etc. And you make absolutely certain that the first will is different insofar as nobody can dig up the first will and say that's that's the will that she wanted. Yeah. Or yeah. he wanted. No, it's the second will. And this is my final will. And it kind of overrides all previous wills. Great. Well, that's good, solid advice. Thank you so much for coming in, Anya, and having a chat with us. Very nice to talk to you, Jennifer. Thank you. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. I'm here with Paul and Tobias from our gardens here. The gardens in Ringsend and Irishtown Community Centre, they're the most commented on gardens. They're pretty much the pride of the community centre. They're absolutely beautiful. And Paul, we're getting into the nice weather now. It's, you know, March, April time coming into everything, coming into bloom. So what have you done or what are you doing now in the garden itself? Uh, well, a few weeks ago we started preparing the beds. Um, there's no nutrients in that soil out there at all. We've noticed black spot on some of the shrubs. Mm. Myself and my colleague Claire. So we mulched all the beds. Okay. Um, there's eight or nine of them out there with uh, chippings from cuttings from the previous year. Mm. So that keeps moisture in the soil and keeps weeds down. Great. So it's a good start. And then we noticed that there was a compost heap that no one had ever touched. Um, about 30 barrels of it, maybe more. Wow. So we dug that out and it was the best of compost. There was loads of earthworms in it and all sorts of other microbial life. That's really good for the soil. Amazing. So that went in onto the beds as well, and onto everybody's beds. We gave everybody uh, uh, a few barrels of that. So that was dug in and that refreshes the beds. So previous to that, we had our winter onions, Tobias, and garlic. They were the two winter crops that we did before that. So now main crops are going in. We're starting to germinate seeds, carrots, uh, seed onions for the summer, uh, tomatoes, of course, uh, and lots of other different things. Beef root is another one, courgettes. Mm. um, And uh, we're gonna put in a few herbs as well. So, uh, we also dig out, dug out some of the beds for some of the older people. Yeah. Who t- won't be able to manage it themselves. The locals, that they have their raised beds. Because there are, there's allotments there in yeah. the gardens at the back. And so you do a lot of care for that as well, as in you're helping people out if they haven't had, don't have the experience themselves. Yeah, yeah. we'll advise them and we're always there. So, yeah, the two sisters, I don't know their names, but they came <laughs> in and they uh, asked us, like retired uh, mm. people. And uh, so we dug out their bed and we prepared it. Uh, David's bed hadn't been touched in two years. That was overgrown. And we did that as well. So all of them are all ready to go. And that's a lot of the thing that we've been talking about this a lot, but during lockdown, I suppose, for people who were just kind of starting out, maybe, and were getting a little plant pot going or getting something on their balconies. What kind of advice do you have, would you give for anybody that's starting out who has kind of no idea where to start and they want to start growing maybe their own, you know, flowers or their own fruit or anything or veg or anything like that? Well, at this time of the year, Jennifer, there's a lot in the supermarkets of different types of things that will help those people. Pots, mm. um, reasonably priced, grow bags, fertiliser, peat free and 
that's a good good way to start. It's very cheap. Like uh, I actually got a bag myself yesterday for with seaweed enhanced for three ninety nine. Yeah. In one of the supermarkets. Um, can I mention? No, you can't. Go on ahead. Aldi. <laughs> Other have, supermarkets are available a, too. Have a wild guess. Yeah, and I was just in there doing the shopping and I needed it for yeah. later on. So grow bags are a great uh, thing. I started my friend Maeve. She's growing potatoes now. From the contents of a grow bag into... Uh, they're like... Um, they're like carrier bags. They're, yeah. they're grow bags. Again, deals, one fifty. And very simple they're to very kind compact. of... very compact. Yeah. yeah. And there's all of the growing... For the Salanum family, which is peppers, aubergines, uh, potatoes and tomatoes. They're the four main in the Salanum family, mm. which is what they're known as. And the grow bags have everything that the Salanum family needs. So you can grow your peppers and your aubergines and your potatoes and your tomatoes with that, the contents of a grow bag. You don't have to leave it flat. You can empty the contents out into a big pot or one of those grow bags that I've said. And, um, or you can just leave them flat and grow your tomatoes out. And there's instructions on the bag as well that are really easy to follow. Um, what if you're a person like me what advice would you give a person like me on every plant I seem to have dies on me is there anything that I'm doing mm-hmm. wrong what kind of thing would you say like to help me out because every plant that crosses the threshold of my apartment just seems to die um, well what would I say to that um, there's a number of things that you can do <laughs> well, that's the thing. Maybe you're a Jonah and you just don't like it. You that's know? it. Maybe everybody, I'd like, yeah, I wouldn't be like, surprised. I, I know, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do. Watch, first of all, for the not drying out. Right. And they also watch for overwatering as well. Ah. Which is another thing. Okay, overwatering. Yeah. So I think that happens to a lot of people because you're panicked, you're worrying. Yeah. There's something, a living thing inside your apartment. Yeah. And you, so you're talking about houseplants? Yeah. So you're, I'm, So could it be overwatering that, overwatering that people... Overwatering can be, be yeah. yeah. Okay. It can be that. Or feeding, which is another thing because they're in a pot. So they, yeah. need, they need extra nutrients in there. They're not, they're not outside. You're always um, going to notice if it's overwatered because like if it's, say, for instance, it's sitting in a saucer, you know, and the water comes out, drains out really yeah. quickly and it starts to suffocate if it sits in a pool of water at the bottom, the roots can't breed. So if you lift it up out of that, that water, the roots will start to breed again. So you kind of counteract yeah. the, the okay. watering, you know. But that's a really good idea because I do, I, I think we see <clears> that all the time and you don't realise, you just think, oh, it's just expelling water. I guess this is okay. But yeah, you're but actually drowning your plants. Yeah. Like. Also, Jennifer, is find out what what facing your apartment house is your backyard yeah you know is it east facing or is it south facing or, or west because that that's your sunlight okay you know the sun rises in the east sets in the west mm. you know so the sun will rise in the east but you won't get a lot of sunlight in your backyard if you have an east facing garden which is what i have at home okay so i only get a few hours of sunlight so on one side of the garden so all my raised beds are all there on one side but then you can get plants that like low light as well if you Even like your Paul, house plants you Paul taught me a great tip um, last summer which was you know because I'd be quite into growing herbs on the windowsill mm. and, and, and the sun comes in and rises in the east yes. in, in the morning so by mid-afternoon I have to take the plants and move it to the, the front of the house so it gets a double amount of sunshine but also uh, Paul was was telling me you know you can like you mentioned Aldi there earlier like you can buy these little basil plants yeah. in Aldi and yeah. then take them home mm. and repot 
them. Yeah. What what is it you do with them? Yeah, you repot them. Yeah. That's and they a, grow like two or three times. The I size. grew one last year. I had basil and parsley on my windowsill. You couldn't even see out into my backyard. <laughs> but like, yeah. don't be afraid. You're saying to kind of repot something because I think that's another nervous thing. Yeah, I think the biggest type of basil is from the supermarkets. They sell them for a euro mm. or one fifty. They're nursery plants. They're very very delicate. Yeah. So what p- people do is great. I have basil on my windowsill. They bring it home and they start picking leaves off straight away. Yeah, because you think that's nor- what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nursery plant and that's not what to do with it. So don't do that. Don't okay. do that. Don't touch the nursery. Don't go near it. Put it, repot it straight away. And then when can you start using it after you repot You'll it? You'll see it go. Once it starts, it, it starts sending up stalks. Okay. And it's, what it's trying to do is it's trying to make seeds. Right. Every plant is trying to make seeds to reproduce itself. Okay. So that's what it's trying to do. So it's going to send up stalks and then it's going to make flowers. Mm. And then the flowers are pollinated and then the seeds are made. So when you see flowers on your basil plant, you just pinch them out. Brilliant. So you stop them from going to seed. So the plant, once it goes to seed, it stops growing. That's it. It's done its okay. job. Okay. So it's good to have a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. The internet is good as well. There's yeah. very good tips on the internet. There's easy to follow videos. I made a video for Dylan last year with my basil and and think all I basically did was I put it in a, a five litre pot it came in a half a litre pot and it's root bound as soon as you take it out of the pot you see all the white roots are just mm. masses of them don't untangle them just make a well in your next pot yeah. good compost peat free if you can get it mm. um, water it till it's all moist all the way through make a little well and just firm it in and leave it alone when you say that peat free why do you say that peat free uh, they do better in peat free oh, okay. uh, compost uh, that's why um, a lot of a lot of gardeners there are going away from from pea altogether. Uh, they don't want pea in the compost. Like the the compost that I bought yesterday was uh, enriched with dried seaweed. So there's much more. Like they did it years ago down the country with the put seaweed of in the field. Oh, you know, putting the seaweed on on the the, the land. And you collect all, some all you, the nutrients. You, I did it last year, yeah. two years ago in my backyard. And for people that are interested in being sustainable, I know here in the cafe we're trying to be sustainable. You're you're growing veg for Karen there in our cafe. Um, and for people that want to be sustainable at home or have their own, you know, maybe herb garden, like you were saying, something yeah. small. What would you guys recommend? Where would they start? What kind of herbs are good? for like just simple for people to start off with yeah well I kept my basil and my parsley indoors mm. last time because there's a carrot root fly that likes to lay its eggs on the soil and then the grubs burrow into the carrots okay um, so they also like parsley so if you're keeping it indoors mm. the carrot root fly even though it flies very low it can't obviously get at the yeah. your parsley or get at you but the very hardy ones uh, for the garden are thyme sage yeah. and rosemary brilliant and you can go to any good garden centre and get again a nursery plant four or five euros and find a good sunny spot like I have my uh, rosemary in, in my garden since six years since I moved into that apartment and uh, it's it's a huge bush now it's absolutely just good space in between a sage plant you would only get about five or six years out of okay. and that's all there is in them you have to replace them or mm. else take a cutting but uh, like my one is starting to go now and uh, the three main ones that is thyme from a pot or in the ground and uh, thyme likes uh, it's a Mediterranean plant so it doesn't mm. like really rich soil so put it in a poor part of the garden where the soil is poor uh, don't put it into a rich compost because there's too much nutrients in there for it like Mediterranean plants just don't like that Yeah. and they'll do really well just uh, let them dry out uh, as well if you want to I rarely uh, water my uh, 
rosemary or thyme because it doesn't need it, it finds all its own nutrients. Great. And uh, just a tip about rosemary, don't pick from it in the winter time when it's dormant, just because you let in disease if you're cutting with a secateur or anything like that, uh, you're opening the plant mm. and um, it's not growing at that time, it's dormant, so mm. it, it can be vulnerable. So there's little tips, but again, if you're not sure, ask somebody, go online, yeah. um, ask around, go into your local garden centre, ask them for advice. There's many things that you can do and it's a learning process. That's it. And that, I think that's, we want to encourage more people to kind of get involved in growing their own and getting back to nature a little bit. And I think a lot yeah. of people are afraid, like myself, yeah. that they're just going to kill everything. Yeah. So it is just trial and error, I suppose, yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And there's Eva that comes in to do the century garden uh, every Monday. And she has a few students there as well. And uh, she's very knowledgeable with her knowledge of, of decorative plants. Mm. And the century garden, as we know, is going to be for people with, you know, uh, let's say special needs. Like yeah. A, a hearing impaired or sight impaired. So the garden is more directed towards scented plants, um, wind chimes, Great. Uh, a, a pathway for a wheelchairs, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. So we're starting, that's been, you know, arranged at the moment here yeah. in the community centre. Yeah, it's well underway. Yeah. yeah, and that should be any, uh, what, in the next couple of months, I suppose, Easy. it'll be yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah easily. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. I think um, sensory gardens are a huge thing now for they people. Are, yeah. yeah. So the lads there this morning just dug out all the foundations for the extension to the wheelchair path. So they have to bench in almost it's built um and we just have to finish it with the carpentry with the what we're going to use what kind of wood but uh, all the bricks and it's all being plastered the whole lot it's full of soil good quality and uh, there's plenty of uh, decorative plants in there we went to the garden in uh, Dunleary the garden mm. center there a couple of weeks ago and we bought a few hundred euros worth of uh, decorative plants under this uh, guy we just went to give her a hand so that's that's great because then there's so much happening out there that I don't think that people are maybe aware of even, and yeah. something like that is really exciting. Yeah, I think now, especially um, you know with the climate and all that, people are becoming more and more interested in growing their own food and knowing yeah. where it comes from. Mm. Especially during lockdown, uh, people were encouraged to get out in their gardens, as we all remember, people yeah. who hadn't gardened, and then they fall in love with it and it becomes like it is. It's highly addictive. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's so nice to do, and I as I did the. Uh, horticultural course before I came here mm. for a year and got, got the qualification and you know when I was under two uh, guys expert horticulturists and like some of the things they're telling you like like even being in contact with the soil is actually good for you it is and, and, and how <coughs> did you get involved by um I don't know, like Paul would call me, like, what would you call me, an urban gardener, Paul? A gorilla gardener. Gorilla gardener. Gorilla gardener. Yeah. Um, I, I guess... Green Finger, the, uh, I, definitely I, has his own way of doing things. Sorry I, to I, you're okay. But, uh, very um, good deal last year. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess, like, I would have gone back to when I would have gone out to the the back garden with my dad um, and he would have uh, planted, we would have planted some lettuce seeds and some spinach and, and I would have kind of pointed to the mint that was growing over the footpath and asked him why it was kind of growing everywhere, you know, and, and then he would have made a lot of um, chutneys and wines and beers mm. and stuff so we'd go out foraging berries and picking berries and elderflowers and dandelions and he would have taught me to dig up dandelion roots and dry them out and make coffee and, and nettle soup and stuff like that because I'm a complete foodie I've started working as a chef since I was 13 Amazing. I was thrown out of school when I was 12 um, <laughs> That's the so, usual chef story I think though isn't it? Yeah so well it's not really because a lot of chefs would be big into gardening because the, the whole idea of taking something from the ground and putting it onto the plate and having traceability and, and 
and you mentioned mm. sustainability there earlier um, and it's that kind of alchemy you know it's that kind of creative process you know you know and also by by gardening um, and working with that kind of symbiotic relationship with the planet you're actually learning to look after yourself and you know it's like if you're looking after a garden it's kind of an external version of yourself you're looking you know Paul mentioned it you know like that old expression like a dirty child is a happy child yeah. you know it's great for your immune system you're getting in there you're getting your hands dirty and it's like being in a semi-meditative state and of course then you get to kind of enjoy all the produce that you've been growing but uh, like you know the Japanese would would do stuff like that they'd be into kind of tree bathing and forest bathing and mm. I'm just a kind of real kind of I'm not as outdoorsy as, as much as I'd like to be but I certainly you know when I can and when I do get the opportunity like for instance I was on Saturday there I went down into the, the woods in Wicklow into Devil's Glen and built a shelter and lit a fire and cooked a load of food and just stayed down there for wow. the night you know um, so yeah like I, I, it goes right back with yeah. me you know and that's the thing I think that like I think a lot of people just want to get back to kind of doing you know maybe not something as along the line as that but maybe that would happen later on for them but like just to start very simply and just to know as you said you know know where your food is coming from know the seasons and, and adapt to them and, and kind of be cognizant of, of this of the times and the changing of the times and I think that's a lot of what people want to get back to well, there's such days. a there's such a disconnect isn't there between yeah. like the idea of where your food comes from is it an animal is it a plant you go to a supermarket and you get a piece of stuff that's wrapped up in plastic mm. and there's no emotional connection to that you know so you know and we're in the era of kind of fast food and instant gratification and sugar based diets you know and the highs mm. and lows so you know th- there's something tranquil about being in the garden yeah. you know and it's, and it's a very kind of it's a very kind of pro-social activity to do as well you know as as you know relating back to when you couldn't go far from your house and stuff you and know? It, there's a lot of satisfaction I suppose out of seeing something that you know you've made you, you've planted growing and, and seeing that cycle and being able to enjoy it then like you know as food like for yourself as well like absolutely yeah, yeah. there's nothing like going out into your own back garden and lifting a bit of lettuce or you know a few potatoes and just straight into the kitchen or if you have peas which I do every year they don't actually make it into the kitchen and one of the best see. things about that was Paul would bring me in some parsnips yeah. he'd bring me in some potatoes yeah. and he'd bring me in some courgettes even and like some chilli plants that he mm. started last year you know and if I had some tomatoes I'd give Paul some of my tomatoes and he, and he kept the seeds he dried the seeds great, from last year uh, brilliant cherry tomato from Tobias as I said he's a griller gardener but he definitely has the green fingers so it's, it's also food. like it's definitely about community yeah. it's about getting to know people it's about sharing yeah. which are all you know things that we want to promote like these yeah. days definitely since it's, lockdown the thing is a lot of people Jennifer grow tomatoes you know because they they think it's an easy crop but it's mm. actually not an easy crop okay you know if you water too much you'll split the tomatoes you know mm. tip with tomatoes is water the same amount and the same time so what would you advise then if someone is purely like starting off right now and want to start growing vegetables which vegetables should they start off with tomatoes oh yeah even though because it's yeah, so complicated but if you follow, not they're not complicated if you follow those rules like at the same amount every day don't let it dry out don't overwater it um, if it's on your balcony let's say or it's in your backyard mm. um, and another tip with uh, tomatoes is they love magnesium and that really sweetens them up so what you'll do is uh, you can go to your chemist and buy some Epsom salts oh, no way. so a tableful of Epsom salts in your watering can a tablespoon let it dissolve and then into a spray bottle and if you spray the leaves every two weeks that really helps to sweeten them up because they love magnesium mm. and that's, that's the active ingredient that uh, sweetens the tomato 
And for people out there now that are listening and they maybe want to get involved, can they get involved in the garden down here? Um, is that something that can they pop in and have yeah, a look? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Have, have a look around and get a bit of advice from Yeah, this, There's some very good gardeners out there. Brilliant. Know, and they're very generous with their, they're more than happy to um, give you advice on what you want to grow and how to grow it, you know. And sometimes it, it, you, you can't predict, Jennifer. Sometimes nature just won't give you a good crop. Mm. One, of the, one of the easiest things as but, well. But most of the time, 90% of the time, it will, you know. Mm. Um, one of the easiest things to grow as well, if you're just starting off, that I would recommend and that you can literally grow, like as Paul mentioned in a bag, you know, is potatoes and onions. You yeah. Know? Just throw them in. Yeah. And try, and that's the thing. It's just uh, uh, to try things out. That's yeah, what we're absolutely. saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's such a great resource that we have here, and we're so proud of it. And we we love it, and I would uh, encourage anybody to drop down and just have a look at the garden itself because they're absolutely beautiful, and the lads and everyone uh, takes such good care of it. So thanks a million for, uh, to Paul and Tobias for coming in and having a chat with us. Thanks, great, Jan. no problem. Thank you for this one. Just to let you all know, Tobias will be back with us on Friday, April 22nd at 12 noon to tell us more about gardening, growing your own food and well-being. Uh, we will be broadcasting his new podcast called Urban Gardening, Food and Wellbeing. That's all from the Rick Radio Community News Desk for this week. If you have any information or events that you would like us to broadcast on the programme, please email us at rickradio2020 at gmail.com. That's radio 2020 at gmail.com. If you could allow two weeks lead in time as the podcast is pre-recorded. My thanks to our guests today, Owen Megan, Anini Cueve and Paul and Tobias. And as always, thank you to Dylan on sound. From me, Jennifer Gallen, have a great week. Stay safe and I'll be back next Monday at 12 p.m.